And welcome to what I like to call from nonsense to God sense, an opportunity where we look at some of the issues going on in this world and we look at them through a biblical perspective. And joining me each and every week is Dan Dalezell. He's an author at the ChristianPost.com, also a pastor at a church in Nebraska. And Dan, welcome back to another episode of the show. Well, thank you, Son. It's great to be back with you again for another one of the, one of our great talks. So we've had some pretty interesting conversations over the last couple of weeks, and a lot of what we talk about really has to deal with uh, Christianity, being Christ follower, um, the Bible, theology, things like that. And basically what we do is just kind of put some topics out there and take a look at them. You know, for example, um, you know, we've talked about recently swearing and the benefits or non-benefits of it and how it can hurt us. Uh, last time we talked about, you know, sex, sex saving the moral soul and how that, where our bodies and minds go during that uh, intimate act and, and what God's uh, thoughts are on it versus man's. And so a lot of it has to deal with, like I said, Christianity and being a Christian. And some people might not know what it is to be a Christian. We think we know and we think we have an idea and the world might have definitions for what a Christian is. But I thought that uh, when this topic came up, it'd be an interesting conversation, Dan, just to talk about what is a Christian for those that may not know, because um, in this day and age, we don't want to assume just people know what we're talking about. So in one word, what's a Christian? Not just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, exactly. That's how, that's how simple it is, right? One word, what's a Christian? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, well, exactly, son. And like you say, there are um, you know various definitions out there, although the Bible does not have various definitions. The Bible does, however, uh, approach it from a, what I might call a holistic uh, standpoint. What I mean by that, Son, and, and why I wrote the article uh, that uh, posted on the Christian Post a number of years ago, What is a Christian? Um, the reason I wrote the article is because um, there are a number of factors that we want to keep in mind. Uh, for example, in the article, I asked the question, you know, uh, is a Christian someone who believes certain things? or is a Christian someone who does certain things, or is a Christian someone who experiences certain things? And I answer that by saying, bingo, yes, um, all three of those. So, so yes, a, a Christian is someone who believes certain things, uh, a Christian does certain things, and a Christian experiences certain things. And I know we'll be getting into each one of those here in our discussion today, Son, but um, uh, all three of them are involved. You know, we, we could talk about theological terms like justification and sanctification, which basically describe the foundation for the Christian life. Uh, it's like the foundation for a house. Uh, and then sanctification is like the Christian house of Christian living, of discipleship. And the way that the foundation is laid is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, Jesus' first sermon in Mark 1.15 was, Repent and believe the good news. And so through repentance and faith, which of course involves what a person believes, isn't it, son? Through that, a person is converted, but that's only the beginning of the Christian life. Um, at that point, an individual is justified, saved, redeemed, born again, forgiven. All of these are terms the New Testament uses for a Christian. But it's not only that, because that would be like saying, well, I'm a human being uh, because uh, I was born, you know, on such and such day. Well, that was the beginning of your life on Earth, but there's a lot more to your life than the beginning, and so also with Christianity. And so, like I say, son, I know we'll be talking about not only what the believing aspect of, of Christianity involves, but also what about that doing aspect? You know, we often hear people say, faith without works is dead, and that's true. So how do we apply that? How do we think about that in terms of Christianity? And then what about experience? Because, you know, 
um, sometimes people have some pretty wild experiences. And other times, you know, there are people, even some Christians, who, you know, more uh, much more subdued in their, uh, really, their personality and kind of maybe even their experiences. So, well, what does that mean? I, uh, am I supposed to experience something like somebody else did or, or, or what? And so, uh, again, it'll be good to get into all of those and to kind of look at the whole picture, Son. And uh, there's a lot that the Bible does have to say about what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, you mentioned believing, doing, and experiencing certain things. And it's important to, that word certain is really kind of important because there are specific things. I mean, there are other people and that believe certain things, other people that yeah. do certain things and experience certain things, but wouldn't be classified as a Christian. And then there's some things that Christians should not believe, should not experience, and should not do. Um, and so certain really becomes kind of a key word and then the other three key words are believe, experience, and do. And that's kind of, in a nutshell, what yeah. it comes down to. And so I guess the first thing, let's just start off with believing. When um, yeah. you know, There's a lot of people out there that I come across, and they want to believe in something. So yeah. they start off in believing Mother Earth. We're going to save the planet, so we're going to do good things. Sure. Then it's like, okay, well, I'm kind of bored of that, so now I'm going to uh, believe in mankind, and I'm going to be charitable, and I'm going to help people, right. and I'm going to do things that's going to help other people have a better life. Then it's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to take care of myself, so I'm going to get into yoga or into Zumba or into something, which that's in and of itself isn't bad. Don't get me wrong, but right. it's but it, it, it's the belief system that becomes what we then define ourselves and what we do. So when it comes to Christian and belief, what is the belief? Well, you you raise a, an excellent point, Son, and and that is that it's not just a matter of believing in anything. It's not even just a matter of believing that, you know, there is a God or that, you know, God exists or that God is watching over all of us. I mean, those general, really almost generic types of ideas uh, are fine in, in a way, but they're not, they're not those certain things that you refer to and that Christ referred to and that the Bible refers to. Um, there are certain things that are necessary to believe in order to be born again. And when we say born again, we're talking, son, this starts to get into this experience side of it. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell or live within the person who becomes a Christian. Um, we, we call that conversion. Um, we, we, we call that, um, you know, giving your life to the Lord. There has to be a point at which a person goes from being an unbeliever to a believer. Now, now granted, um, for many people, there was a process they went through, okay? But just like with physical birth, okay, just like you have um, the pregnancy um, leading up to the birth, uh, many, many unbelievers, or sometimes they're called, you know, seekers, or, you know, they're just, they're, they're open to exploring, you know, Christianity and the claims of Christ and of the Bible. Um, they're kind of in that almost at that, that pregnant stage, if you will, but, but there is a point at which the Bible says you cross over from life, or rather from death to life. And, and so, to answer your question, Psalm, specifically, uh, a person to become a Christian believes that, that, that hey, I'm a sinner, uh, I cannot save myself, but that uh, the Lord left heaven, you know, that God the Father sent His only Son, Jesus, uh, to come here and to suffer and to die and pay for my sins on the cross, and that by receiving him as my Savior, by trusting in his sacrifice as the payment for my sin, I'm forgiven. It's a free gift. It's completely free. I don't have to earn it. In fact, I can't earn it. I don't have to work for it. In fact, if I try to work for it, I'll miss out on it. You know, it's a gift, and it can only be received as a gift. It cannot be received as a 
uh, as a reward. Now, you know, some other uh, podcast perhaps we might want to talk about. I actually wrote an article uh, years ago, the biblical distinction between gift and reward. And that gets into a little deeper uh, issue than maybe we probably would get into today, and not to confuse, you know, what is a Christian. Um, I mean, we, but whether it be today or some other point, we could get into that. But conversion is not something that you receive as a reward. Well, you know, I proved to God that, hey, I'm going to make a pretty good Christian here, you know? And, and, and so he, he sees something in me where now um, I've been given the reward of eternal life and the reward of becoming a Christian. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, you, you either receive Christ or you reject Christ, but there is no, there is no middle ground. If, if you're neutral on it, then you've not yet received Christ. And you're in, you, in essence, are, are still rejecting him then. Um, I mean, you know, you, you cannot remain neutral on Jesus. Uh, you will either follow him. I mean, like today, my friend, uh, it's just like when he, you know, went and, and went right in front of these different disciples that he called, you know, to follow him. Um, he kept moving. He said, come follow me. And then those who, you know, became his disciples, you know, began to follow him. The same is true with you today, my friend. From this podcast, if you're not a believer right now, um, you'll either leave this podcast you know, following Jesus as a Christian, or not. And, and I suppose the third category might be, well, you know, I, I don't really want to be in the not category. I, I'm very, very serious about this, uh, so I, I want to learn more, but I want to I want to really um, keep moving in that direction. So that might be a third, a third place, but I would just say, just to keep in mind, that may be uh, a direction you're aiming, but, but in order to be converted, uh, it will require repentance and faith. Uh, you know, it's almost, I almost hesitate to use the word require, because it's like, you know, like, would you tell somebody at Christmas, well, in order for you to have this gift, it's going to require you to open it, you know? Uh, well, I mean, that's true. But, but uh, you know, the person who's done the work uh, picked out the gift, they paid for the gift, they wrapped the gift, uh, now you're required to open it. Well, you're really not, you, you can pass on it, and the same is true with forgiveness of sins and eternal life in paradise. Do you want to pass on it? God says, you know what, I don't want that, I, I wish you wouldn't do that. I want you to come to heaven, but, um, you know, I'm not going to twist your arm and force you to believe. I'm not going to force you to be in my family. I'm not going to force you to be forgiven. I'm not going to force you to go to heaven rather than to hell, you know, but, but I've done everything that's necessary. Now all, the, all that's left is just receive it, believe it. And, and so this is what we mean, son, believing in Christ the Savior, trusting in his death, his sacrifice, and then receiving that free gift which Jesus earned for us on the cross. Two words come to mind, Dan, as you uh, speak. Dan Delzell is my guest. Grace and mercy. Um, and the uh, definitions are when we get what we don't deserve and when we don't get what we deserve. And that's what it kind of sounds like you're, uh, you know, when Jesus died on the cross for us, we're getting grace by not getting what we deserve and mercy by getting what we don't deserve. Um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting. The other thing that comes to mind is I read another article of yours uh, based off, I think it was Romans 7 and 8. And there was a section in there that talked about under new management. You know, oftentimes we're rolling down the street and we see a restaurant that's under new management. And then we're like, oh, maybe we should try this place out. Maybe we liked it before. Maybe it's better. Maybe we didn't like it before. Maybe we should try it now that's under new management. Under new management seems to be a slogan that businesses will put up there to try to let customers know that, okay, maybe things weren't so good before, but now we're better because we're under new management. And that's almost like what becoming a Christian is like. You're becoming a person that's under new management, and that is the management of God. You know, I think that's a great way to put it, Son, because that is truly what happens um, when the Lord comes into your life, when you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, when you turn to Him, 
and you give your life to him and you receive his free gift, in that moment when you are converted, you are then instantly under new management. And, and, and you know, think about the word Lord, okay? The word Savior, of course, is, is, is referring to the fact that Jesus saves us from our sins and that his blood cleanses us and that we're forgiven by his blood. The word Lord refers to the fact that he is now uh, our, our Lord, our Master. There's a new sheriff in town, or as you said, son, we're under new management. Um, we're no longer on the throne of our heart. We have invited Jesus to come in and, and have that position. Um, we now, that's what it means to become a follower of Jesus. See, there, there's no such thing in the New Testament as a person who's a believer, but not a follower. There is no such thing. Now, what, what you do come across in the New Testament, like, for example, in Corinthians, you know, Paul writes about those who are still babes in Christ, uh, meaning they're not growing up. They're, they're remaining in spiritual infancy. And here's what he points to as the, as the evidence of that. He says, well, well, since there is still jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not babes, you know? And, and is it really any different than what we as parents, you know, would say to our kids? You know, my, my wife and I are blessed with, with uh, two sons and two daughters, and, and when they were younger especially, just like when I was growing up, um, you know, there are signs of maturity, and, and quarreling and bickering and arguing and strife is a sign of immaturity, whether it be among Christians in a church, whether it be among siblings in a home. Uh, and, but but we, we must not, we must not um, you know, miss the point that, that believers in the New Testament are followers of Christ. And that gets to that, that point we were talking about, Son, that what is a Christian? Uh, well, you believe certain things, and you do certain things, okay? Um, you don't have to tell an apple tree to produce apples, and it just does. And, and once Christ comes to live within you, once the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, the Holy Spirit's fruit begins to uh, be produced in your life. And in Galatians 5, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, so those things are really, that, that really almost falls as much son into that experience uh, of, of what it means to be a Christian. Um, and, and granted, that experience, it, it's fluid. It, 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 there's an ebb and flow to it. Um, we're not perfect. Um, we, we don't have perfect peace in this life. Um, you know, there will be things that pop up in our personal life or in the world, like the coronavirus. There will be things that, 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 um, that, that show up, you know, right here in front of us and you know, to be honest, uh, you know, there are times where we don't have the peace that we'd like to have and that we will have one day in heaven. Uh, there'll be times that we won't uh, be maybe having the same love in our heart or the same patience for a situation that, that, that God has. Um, but, but the fact that we are in Christ, meaning we are believers in Christ, He's living in us, He is producing the fruit in us. So when we say faith without works is dead, what we mean is this, that, that faith will always have works that follow. Now, you know, um, some people, um, you know, they, they really, they harp on that too much to the point where they almost, they, they don't even, they don't know how to help people have the assurance of their salvation. You know, you, you have to look at the whole picture of what it means to be a Christian. Um, yes, works are very important, uh, but works will happen in the life of a Christian. I mean, I, I've, you know, seen people over the years, sometimes they get so hung up on that and, and they think that, you know, well, nobody is, you know, living quite the way they need to be living. And so we need to really just stress this faith without works is dead. And I'll tell you, one of their favorite verses, Son, 
is, is the verse where, um, you know, uh, the Lord says, well, you know, some in that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? And the Lord will say, well, depart from me. I never knew you. And sometimes, you know, I've heard people use that. They hang that over the head of somebody as a way of trying to get them to do more. And they misunderstand the whole point of what our Lord was saying. Because when our Lord gave that example of those people who say, did we not do this, did we not do that? And then the Lord says, depart from me, I never knew you. Notice what they didn't say, son, okay? They didn't say anything about what they believed. They didn't say, but Lord, I was trusting in the cross for my salvation. Lord, I was relying upon the blood. How can, how, how can you, you know, say, depart from you, Lord? I was put, my full confidence was in, your, was in the blood that you shed for me on the cross. The Lord will not say, depart from me to those, son, who are trusting him. The point of, of what our Lord was saying there is that they were relying on their works. They thought, well, we're doing all this stuff. And, and while those things in and of themselves weren't, weren't evil, okay, if you bypass the belief part of it, if you miss out everything that comes with conversion, and believe me, son, this thing is it's loaded on the front end. You know, you get this stuff on the front end. That's why, for example, what I will often say if I'm talking to a, uh, a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, and they're very devout, very sincere, um, you know, religious folks, what I will often say, because they have different beliefs than, than Christianity, I will often say to them, very sincere folks, I'll say, uh, what did you receive on the front end of your relationship with God? And it's like they don't even know what to say, because they don't think of it, that's not what they're taught. They're not taught that on the front end when you believe in Jesus, you get the good, you get salvation, you get the assurance of salvation, you, you, you are converted. And now the life to live with God, it begins. But, but actually, what, what the Mormon Church teaches is it is by grace we are saved after all we can do. And, and that little mantra of theirs um, really helps to show how their message is very different than Christianity, very different than the gospel. Because the gospel, Jesus never said, jump through a bunch of hoops, and then if you've done enough, you know, we'll see, and then maybe I'll let you into heaven. No, no. Um, Jesus said, repent and believe. You've got to get converted. But then once you're converted, you will do stuff, and you will experience things. But, but boy, it's so critical, Son, that, 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 that people understand and believe what you referred to, you know, a little bit ago, certain things. Because, you know, the Bible talks about doctrines of demons, and, and what it means there is that there's a lot of spiritual teaching out there in the world that will not connect you to Christ, that will not lead you to heaven. Oh, it might make you very, very zealous. I mean, my goodness, the Apostle Paul, back when he was Saul of Tarsus, oh boy, was he ever zealous. Was he ever zealous for Judaism? But was he ever wrong? Was he ever wrong? So, yes, believing certain things, Son, is key to being a Christian. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is the uh, kind of the struggles that we might go through. For example, myself, you know, became a Christian at a young age, and now I'm older in life. And so, you know, the, the works and fruits and things like that that you talk about, you know, what if there's a period of time for Christians, because we all go through this, and, you know, the fruit tree is barren. You know, I think it was, what, the, the fig tree that didn't bear any fruit that Jesus cast down? Yeah. So how do yeah. we know that we're not becoming that fig tree that's not bearing any fruit that Jesus is going to cast down, especially if we truly did have a sincere, you know, Christian conversion, but we go through these periods of times where we're struggling, we're uh, dealing with difficult things, challenges in life. I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. Um, how do we know that that Christianity, that conversion, that new birth is still there, the water yeah. flowing through us, but yet our fruit yeah. isn't being produced yeah. because, you know, perhaps yeah. Satan's attacking us. And then people kind of get right. this, you know, 
doctrinal, uh, dogmatic doctrine saying, oh, you're backslidden or you're this or you're that. Yeah, and they right, start throwing right. out all these names and everyone gets confused about what well, was I actually saved after all. So what yeah. happens to those Christians that have been, it could be a simple, you know, you could be a new Christian, new birth, or maybe someone that's been a Christian for a long time, but we go through these periods of time where we're struggling. How do we not become the uh, fig tree that's cast down? Yes, Son, thank you for that. Well, you know, I would use one analogy um, to begin with, and that would be this. You know, if, if a parent has a child, and as I mentioned, we have four you know, kids, they're all in their 20s now, but if a parent has a child and your child starts to uh, misbehave, okay, um, I know for my wife and I, we never did, nor would we ever, um, you know, suggest to one of our children, well, boy, you know, you're, you're pretty close to not... Uh, you know, being in this family any longer. Um, now, now, granted, you might have a, a situation in a home where maybe, let's say, you have a teenager, and maybe they're involved with drugs, and they're doing some dangerous things in the home, or this or that. I'm not talking about that, where there might need to be a kind of a, a, a setting apart, you know, uh, somebody who was in the, in the home, and it's just not safe for them or for others for them to be there. I'm just talking about, you know, let's say a seven or eight-year-old child's misbehaving. To kind of go with your, your question there, Son, about somebody who doesn't seem to be bearing fruit. Um, you know, the, the way for Christians to bear fruit, especially if they're, if they're feeling like maybe I'm not bearing enough, it, it's, it's not to get them to doubt their salvation, but rather it's to point people back to the source of fruit. And, and, and this is why we need, to, we, we need to keep hearing the gospel. We need to keep feeding on God's grace and on the Word of God. You know, Christians need the gospel just as much as unbelievers. You know, Corey Tenboom, the concentration camp survivor who, who endured so much, she has this great. She had this great saying, son, um, about just how do we face you know different difficulties in life. And I think it applies to your question here about bearing fruit, and, and what do we do if it seems like we're not bearing fruit? But Corey Tenboom said, um, "Look without, meaning like out in the world, and be distressed." So like with the coronavirus today, look without and be distressed. I mean, who who wouldn't be distressed if you if you look at that thing too long, too hard, and too many scenarios? So look without and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. So if all, you're always taking your, your internal temperature, you know, am I doing enough, am I this, am I that, or I'm not this, I'm not that, you know, I need to be doing this more, or whatever, you know, you're always so introspective. So look without and be distressed, look within and be depressed, look at Jesus and be at rest. So my answer to your question, son, is if there's a Christian who's like maybe been told, well, you know, you don't bear enough fruit, you know, you're going to be cut off the vine, you know, here's the thing. I would say, friend... Um, let's just look back at Jesus. You know, let, 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 let's, let's, keep, let's fix our eyes on him, as the Bible says. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus, his beauty, his forgiveness, his grace. I mean, that is what produces fruit, son. It's when we look at Jesus, when we turn our eyes upon him. You know, where some people, and even some, you know, Bible teachers, where they've gone astray, where they lead some people astray, is they start harping so much on, well, you're not doing enough fruit. It goes back to that, the example I gave of the ones who want to talk about, well, you know, the Lord's going to say to some people, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. And, and, and now, granted, son, I mean, yes, there are a category of people who, who have no intention to follow the Lord. And maybe they're only paying lip service to the Lord. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying that those people are converted. I'm not saying there's such a thing uh, as hypocrites. But what I'm saying is this. The New Testament never uses the word hypocrite for a believer. See, son, you and I and all believers, we want to do the Lord's will. And if we're going through a period, to, you, to go to your question, if we're going through a period where there hasn't been enough fruit, uh, or we feel like there's not enough fruit, or we're beginning to even worry about maybe our, even our salvation, then what we need to do is take a step back and look at what brought me into this thing to begin with, what did God give me on the front end, and, and maybe I'm just not basking in that enough. 
Maybe I'm not soaking in that enough. Maybe I'm getting pulled, and Satan will look for any way to pull somebody's mind off of Christ, off of Jesus, off of his grace. And, and again, I, I would say the Bible has, you know, certainly things to say to that person who's trying to, um, you know, or who's living that uh, as a hypocrite. You know, uh, the Bible says uh, a man reaps what he sows. You know, uh, God cannot be mocked, okay? So, um, you know, for the person who's deliberately sinning against the Lord uh, and, and who says, like, hey, I'm just going to live for sin rather than for Christ, well, there's nothing in the Bible that would give that person the assurance that they're saved, born again, redeemed, justified, and forgiven. There's nothing that would give that person from the Bible any assurance or even a baby Christian, let alone a mature Christian, because, because baby Christians don't take the attitude, I'm going to live for sin. But now having said that, the last thing I'll say, Son, is that all of us, I mean, look at King David, all of us can go through a period where, where we allow some double-minded thinking to get in. Maybe we get tripped up by something. Maybe we start to go aside uh, from, from God's plan. And, and where perhaps maybe the term backslidden, you know, I mean, certainly it would apply in some cases to certain ones, but, but you can't walk in that very long if you're a believer and, and be content, because um, you will, you'll be as miserable as David was when he was living in his sin of, Bash, uh, of, of adultery with Bathsheba and then having uh, her husband Uriah, you know, killed by putting him on the front line. So, um, yeah, great, great question, Son. And, um, yes, God's very concerned with fruit. But, but, but well, what's the vine? I mean, you know, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Jesus didn't say, you're not bearing enough fruit. You need to work harder, strive harder. See, it's, it's not as Oswald uh, Chamber. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, let's see. I, no, I guess it was somebody else maybe who said this. One of, one of the great uh, Christian uh, thinkers said, it's not overwork, but overflow. It's not overwork, but overflow. And that really gets to this experience, on the experience of the Holy Spirit. Christianity is believing, doing, and experiencing. And the more we experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the more we pray for God's power to fall upon us, the more we seek to walk in the Holy Spirit every day, the more overflow there will be, the more fruit there will be, the more blessing there will be. Anytime we get away from, from that, um, anytime we start trying to pump the water out of the ground, let's say, rather than like an artesian well where the water just... By gravity, it just comes forcing, it just forced out of the ground. That's the picture of the Holy Spirit, that artesian well. And, and so we all can go through dry spots on, we all can go through, you know, times where maybe, um, you know, we're getting tripped up, maybe even into some sin or this or that. But, but that's why we need God's Word, we need a Christian church to be a part of, so we can, we can walk that straight and narrow path that the Lord has for us as Christians, because we believe certain things, we do certain things, we experience certain things. No, we're not perfect by a long shot, but, but thank the Lord that he's revealed the truth of the gospel to us. Yeah, so the thing I get from that is, one, we don't need to hit the panic button if we're going through a, a series of, of a dry spell, Amen. so to speak, a drought, because the struggle Amen. is real every day, and we just need to rely on the fact that at some point we're going to get back. Secondly, it kind of reminds me of the story of what Peter walking on the water. You know, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and not on the sinful things, because as long as Peter was keeping his eye on Jesus, he was walking on the water. And as soon as he turned to look and see all the storm around him, he started to sink and he had to cry out, you know, Jesus saved me. And Jesus comes in and saves him again. So it's, uh, no, so that's kind of the analogy. Maybe we're sinking right now. And maybe the sinking is a slow quicksand kind of sinking instead of the quick watery sink. And maybe we need to kind of fix our eyes back on Jesus and say, help us, and he'll bring us back up so we're walking back on that water again like Peter was doing. You know, that's what I love about our visit, Son, is, you know, you and I will be talking about these things, and the Holy Spirit will give one of us, like, 
just the, the perfect example what you just gave there, Peter. I mean, yeah, we couldn't have a better example of someone who illustrates what we're talking about here and, and just sometimes the ebb and flow of the Christian faith. And one thing I'll say about Peter, son, is this. I mean, hey, Peter was the guy getting out of the boat. You know, I mean, you know, while the other ones were sitting in there, you know, sometimes, son, it, it, it's the folks who are stepping out for the Lord, doing things for the Lord, you know, um, in, your, in your zeal and your love for Christ and your desire to reach others, you know, and then we can come under um, a great attack from the enemy because we're actually doing something for the Lord. And, and, and yet it was Peter sometimes who, who, who thought of it in a, in a negative uh, way because of that. But um, my goodness, son, um, we, we entered the boat at conversion, and, and our life of discipleship will call for us to walk by faith. You know, right now with this whole thing with the coronavirus, God's saying walk by faith. I love what you said about, you know, don't panic, you know, as a Christian. I mean, if things seem to kind of be going sideways a bit, you don't understand what's going on, or you're starting to kind of lose your way a little bit. Or like you said with Peter, you're starting to sink a little bit into something, despair, um, whatever it is. Maybe it's even a sin. Maybe it's a, uh, a pet sin that has, you know, kind of just you, you've been um, defeated by at times or whatever. Um, don't panic. Um, go back to the fundamentals. Go back to the basics, and that means go back to Christ. His love is, is unconditional. His love is eternal. His grace is amazing, and, and we've got to get back to Christ and not try to, you know, work our way out of this mess, but, but um, not overwork, son, but overflow. You know, the other thing that uh, comes to mind is, uh, as we talk about this, is something I think that you wrote in another article. It was, um, you know, the mind of a sinful man equals death. And the mind that's focused on the spirit, on Jesus, has life and peace. And, you know, the past few months, you know, maybe almost a year now, there's been a lot of things that I've been going through. And, and that kind of resonated with me because when you focus on the things of this world and you focus on, you know, just to take, for example, the coronavirus, I know there's a lot of people panicking over this thing. Yeah. Okay. And so enter, take out coronavirus and insert anything that's bothering you in this world, uh, whether spiritual, yeah. whether physical, mentally, whatever. Okay. So put your crisis there. And then if we focus on that thing, there's going to be death. We're get, that's going to consume us and we're going to panic. We're going to run to Costco. We're going to try to get water. We're going to do all these irrational things to try to save ourselves. Yeah. But then if we focus on God and we put it on him, much like Peter walking on the water, our life is going to have peace and we're going to be able to live life without that panic. Now, like you said, it might not be an easy road, but yet our mind can be at peace and it can give us the hope and give us the restoration and give us everything that we need to survive whatever it is we go through, as opposed to just focusing on that sin, which is going to ultimately lead to death and there is nothing else. Well, I tell you, that, that is exactly right, Son. And it, it makes me think of that ninth quality. I, I mentioned the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the last one there on that list is self-control. Now think about that word, Son. What are we saying? What we're saying is that the Holy Spirit, um, working in a person, allows that person to keep self under control. So, so self is that part of you that still wants to be on the throne. Self is the part of you that wants to call the shots. Self is the part of you that wants to figure things out, or at times even advise the Lord on how he should be doing something. You know, I, uh, I love something Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, said. He said, you know, you know God hasn't uh, you know, called me to be uh, his advisor. You know, I'm called to be his servant. And God doesn't need any advisors. But what self wants to do, Son, is, is get back on the throne. And so what is self-control? Self-control is I'm not, I'm not being in, in that moment, in that day, in that hour, for as long as I'm under self-control. I'm not being dominated by self. The life of Christ is what is 
ruling in my life. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote, wrote, it's no longer I myself who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, what did he mean? Uh, I mean, Paul, Paul was still there, but, but in a way he wasn't there. Um, he was just merely um, receiving the fruit of, of what it means to have Christ in your life. And I'll tell you, uh, think about all of those nine things, the love, joy, peace, that lead there to self-control. Um, it's a beautiful thing, Son. And I also think about that, that passage that says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's why I think it's so pertinent that you mentioned that verse about how the life controlled by the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind of sinful man is death. The mind of sinful man is doom and gloom. The mind of sinful man is, hey, I'll do it myself without God. The mind of sinful man is, I don't need Christ to be forgiven or to get into heaven. The mind of sinful man is, I'm going to live for sin rather than for Jesus. The mind of sinful man is, oh, I've been a Christian long enough, I can do this on my own now. I mean, on and on it goes. All of these things are the mind of sinful man. And, and uh, you know, sometimes, son, you'll, you'll, you'll run into a few people, um, and, and the way you know that they're, they're getting into what I'm about to describe is that, you know, they really seem very judgmental of others and so forth. But, but I mean, they think they've got their whole Christian life put together, and, and nobody else quite, quite measures up to them. But the very facts are that, that, that they're coming across so judgmental, so holier than now. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, some of those folks, um, I, I, I hate to say, um, don't even seem like they've even reached, you know, first base. They don't even seem like they've been converted. Uh, they, they, they don't even seem like Christ is living in them, because that's not the way Christ behaved. That's not the way they—how did Jesus behave with the tax collectors and, and the prostitutes, you know? Uh, you know, not to mention those within his own family, you know, uh, his own group of disciples. So if you have a person who's a professing Christian, word they're professing, they I'm a Christian, you know, well, you know, calling yourself a Christian doesn't make yourself one, um, but, um, you know, it, it's not what you call yourself, it's believing, doing, and experiencing. And, and if all a person's doing is judging, condemning, walking around holier than thou, that sure doesn't sound like the fruit of Jesus in your life. Now, could a genuine Christian um, ever do that? Well, sure, in, in an immature moment or whatever, but that is not uh, at all going to be the dominant um, uh, experience of, of any Christian who's growing in the Lord or any Christian who's pleasing the Lord. And most that person would be a baby Christian in some cases, You'd have somebody who just doesn't know the Lord at all, you know, and, and, and they're, they're so caught up, they're so proud of their works, son, and they assume they work their way to God. Why can't everybody else do it the way I'm doing? Dan Delzell is my guest. And Dan, in the article, What is a Christian? You write something that uh, your entrance, basically people's entrance into heaven is entirely the result of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. His work gets you in, and through faith in him, God saves you. All you did was ride the wave, which the Lord provided in your life. And it reminds me of the Beach Boy song, Catch a Wave and You're Sitting on Top of the World. This would be yeah. the wave to catch, because if you catch Amen. this wave, not only are you sitting on top of the world, you're sitting on top of all eternity. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, that, that is exactly right, Son. And, you know, um, there's, it, it's not an accident that the, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit uh, with this image of water, or that or the Jesus would say, you know, out of you who believe, out of you will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Spirit. Um, you know, I, I love your wave imagery there, because that is truly what's going on within a Christian. You begin to experience a wave, um, and, and beginning, at, you know, at the moment of your conversion, really before that, when the Holy Spirit starts to call you, when, when, and what I mean by that is you start to feel convicted of your sin, 
you start to feel drawn to Christ. Uh, you, you, you start to feel that, hey, you, you need Jesus to be your Savior. But then once you repent and believe, once you are converted, once you believe the gospel, okay, now the wave of God is within you. And, and, and so now here, here's the key, uh, really one of the keys, I think, son, to Christian living. Uh, you know, the Bible says that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. You know, um, some of the listeners have probably been to, like, a wave pool. And, 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 and so, uh, you know, if you go to one of those, um, you know, like, like you said, or better yet, the ocean. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're a surfer or, you know, you're, you're able to get out on those waves with some board that you're riding, um, you can't create a wave, okay? But you can ride a wave. And, and the same is true with, with, with Christianity. You, you can't create God's, God's waves, but, boy, it sure is great to ride them. And, and here's what happens, though. When we don't say no to ungodliness and worldly passion, whether that be jealousy, whether that be holding a grudge, whether that be lust, whether that be greed, whether that be gossip, you know, whether that be a judgmental attitude, whatever it is, when we don't say no, we, we do what the Bible refers to as quenching the Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit of God. So if you want to live a Christian life with very small waves, then quench the Spirit, grieve the Spirit, deliberately sin, you know. I mean, of course, you know, that's the opposite of what God wants us to do. But that will diminish um, the power of the wave within you. Not that God has any less power, but, but the way the Lord has set this up, and we know this because of Scripture and then also because of the personal experience of Christians over the centuries, is that in order to ride the wave and to keep riding a wave, it's necessary that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and that we seek not to grieve Him. You know, there's a beautiful Bible verse that says, find out what pleases the Lord, okay? So if you're a child at a home, and you're really excited that mom or dad, you know, love you and have given you all these, uh, you know, their, their love and their, this home and, and all their care and, and compassion, you know, and, and you really want to please them, you're going to find out what pleases mom and dad. If you don't really care if you take it for granted or you, you know, have some attitude about mom or dad, you, 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 you may just do your own thing. You don't care if you bother, you know, if it hurts mom or dad. So, so the, the, the Christian is to be one who is daily finding out what pleases the Lord. And, and I, this is trial and error in the sense, Don, that all of us can look back at life and say, well, boy, I know, uh, and, and like you even referred to, to that, and, and every Christian has these times where, um, boy, I sure know when I was grieving the Holy Spirit, and boy, the fruit of the Holy Spirit was at a very low ebb in my life. There wasn't much of a wave at all. I was just riding on fumes, you know. I, I was, uh, I mean, it's just like the water was still. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that I thought God had left me, but I didn't have much assurance at all. I didn't have much conviction. I didn't have much zeal. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have much power. You see, the Holy Spirit brings power, son. You and I don't have it. We don't have the power to witness. We don't have the power to do God's will. God, God gives us everything. He gives us salvation, and He says, hey, I'll give you the power. Just stay out of the way. Just, just say no. And, son, the more we'll say no to the bad stuff, God will keep producing the wave. It's when we stop saying no to those uh, corrupting influences that then that's when the wave tends to lessen our, our zeal. I mean, I mean, people, they, they stop having an interest maybe in gathering with other Christians, uh, stop having an interest in reading the Bible, stop having an interest in prayer, witnessing. Well, of course. You, you think any one of us in our flesh wants to do any one of those things? Those are supernatural uh, results and fruit of God in your life when the Lord is in you. Now, now, granted, somebody could try to be copying those. You could go out and be doing that in the flesh if, if you didn't start at first base. You've got to start with believing the right things. You know, you, you can't work your way in. Say, well, look at me. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, so that must be a wave I'm riding. 
Well, let's talk about what you believe. You know, this is why the New Testament focuses so much emphasis on, on the gospel. Back to what you said at the beginning of our discussion, upon believing certain things. Because if you don't believe certain things about God, you can do religion 24 hours a day. It won't get you one step closer to the Lord. See, I love the wave pool analogy because my experience in the wave pool is this. You sit in there and you're in your inner tube or whatever, and you're just bobbing there when there's no waves. There's no excitement. Everyone's just kind of bland. Everyone's waiting for the next set of waves. So you're just kind of existing. The waves come, and all of a sudden there's excitement, there's fun, everybody's having a good time, the energy is up, everything is good. And that's why I like that analogy because when we are riding the wave that God gives us, it's excitement, it's energy, it's full of life, it's all these great things. And when we're outside that wave, we're just kind of sitting there ho-hum, living through life and maybe squandering, maybe even drowning, you know, um, and trying to cling to that, you know, inner tube. But then the wave comes again, we get all excited and we get excited and we're back on the inner tube and we're having energy, laughing, full of life. So that's why I like the wave pool analogy, because that's pretty much what it is. When God is in us and we are riding his wave, we have a lot of excitement. We have a lot to live for. We have, we're like full of life. And then when the wave isn't there, yeah, and the wave isn't there, it's just, you know, mundane, ho-hum struggles uh, without the excitement. So if somebody, Dan, wanted to catch the wave, get into heaven, become a Christian, a believer, how can they go about doing that? Well, all they would need to do is is just to humble humble themselves before the Lord uh, right here today, son. I mean, God doesn't promise us tomorrow. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So, my friend, if you're listening to this podcast, and, and, you're, and you're thinking, boy, I'm glad Son asked that question. What would I need to do? My friend, just simply humble yourself before the Lord and, and, and take these things that we've talked about today and, and uh, to, to use the example that Son gave, um, ask God now to, to bring your life under new management. You know, ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Um, say, Lord, you know, I, I turn away from sin. I mean, yes, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But I, but I heard the word gift used a number of times in this podcast today. Lord, I received that free gift by faith. I trust that you died for me. My friend, that, that's how you would become a Christian today. And give your life to Christ. That, that's the believing part. And then the wave of the Holy Spirit, which is working right now in you, leading you to do that. Okay, the only, the only way you won't do that is if you resist it, if you reject it, if you say, no, I'm not going to ride that wave. You know, but, but I, I believe that, you know, um, you're, you're, you're listening here honestly, and, and that as you follow the Lord's lead, um, you know, you'll be able to, to make that transition from death to life. Um, don't look for a feeling. You know, there, may, there will be certain feelings at times to come, but, but don't put your faith in, in, in a feeling to know that you, you believe or are saved. Put your faith in God's promise. You know, put your faith in, in the promise of John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Put the promise uh, of, of Acts 16 uh, into your heart where um, the, the, the jailer was, uh, he was so concerned, you know, for his soul, and, and he said to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And you know what? They didn't tell him jump through a bunch of hoops. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. So that, my friend, is what you could do today. If you'll just accept Christ as your Savior, say, Jesus, you know, I, I trust you. Just receive him. Put all your faith in what he did on the cross for you. Um, trust that he died for you. Believe that he died for you. Turn away from sin. That's repentance and faith. You'll be converted right now. How do I know this? Because faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. And God wants that for you, my friend. And um, and then just be sure to 
um, get with some, some other Christians in a, a, a good, strong, Bible-believing, grace-filled church where people love others, and, and, and you, you can grow in your faith and ride the wave of the Holy Spirit, and, and God will, will just take you places you never dreamed you could go. Hashtag catch the wave. As a Christian, yeah. believe, experience, and do catch the wave, and you're sitting on top of the old world, the new world, for all eternity. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate your time and your insight on this, and, and we just uh, enjoy these conversations. We look forward to more conversations in the future. And again, if people you want to read more, you can go to thechristianpost.com, and you can find Dan's writings there. And also, if they want to uh, reach out to you, an email address or a way where they might be able to connect for more info, yeah, anyone could just reach out to me, son, at Dan Delzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at Cox.net. Uh, and uh, like you said, you can just go to the Christian Post and, and just uh, search for my name, Dan Delzell, and you'll be able to see articles I've written on, on these topics that Son and I have talked about today. And and uh, we'd love to you know have an exchange with you uh, if you'd like to do so. And you can find me uh, on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. You can also direct message me there. And uh, let me know uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, etc. And again, uh, Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it, and we look forward to the next time. Thank you, son. I look forward to our next time as well. And thank you for listening. Do tell a friend. Until next time, you guys have a great one.